Hello and welcome back to the Can We Just Ask podcast. I'm Will. And I'm Annie. And this episode is another of our live panel discussions that we recorded in TechSpace in Shoreditch. We had a really, really interesting panel talking about how do we shape the future of masculinity. So before we dive into the conversation and introduce our panellists, we just wanted to let you know that some of the topics that we cover in this episode are sensitive. And if you feel affected by anything that you hear, please do reach out and seek support. If you're not sure where to go or who to talk to, then our charity partner, The Mix, are a great place to start. Yep, and as with the whole series, this episode is in partnership with Tom's, and we're very excited that one of the Tom's changemakers, James McVeigh, is part of the panel. And if you are enjoying what you're hearing, you can speak to us on social media. We're at Can We Just Ask. And if you subscribe, leave us a rating and a review. That would be absolutely amazing because it makes a huge difference in us continuing and sharing these conversations with a wider audience. Yeah, we really do appreciate all of your support. So without further ado, let's get stuck into the episode. This is Can We Just Ask? How do we shape the future of masculinity? The only way you create change is by standing up and campaigning for those things you care for. If we hold ourselves individually to hire a cat, the world will be a better place. For me, communication is, is the key to absolutely everything. How can we all save the world? What it means to be a man or indeed a human. There's no such thing as a stupid question. The Can We Just Ask podcast starts conversations that matter. Thank you all for joining us this evening. My name's Annie and this is Will and we're the hosts of Can We Just Ask? And I guess to start, we should introduce the panellists. So I'm going to ask them to introduce themselves to you very quickly and then we'll get into the conversation. So, uh, Derek, we'll start with you. Um, my name is Derek Owusu. I'm a uh, writer and podcaster and I recently edited, collated and contributed to a book called Safe, which is about black British men in the UK, writing about their experiences. And I also have a novel in prose coming out on the 14th of November with Murky Books. My name's Holly Rubin. I'm a psychotherapist and uh, I work in mental health uh, and I specialize in the area of body image as well. My name's James. I uh, play guitar in a band called The Vamps. And um, whilst I'm perhaps quite used to performing, as it were, this is very strange for me. Normally I have a guitar and three other bandmates to, to hide behind. <laughs> Um, I'm Iman Amrani, I'm a journalist at The Guardian and I cover all kinds of different things but I recently did a YouTube series called Modern Masculinity where we covered everything from Jordan Peterson to role models to intergenerational relationships. Great, so I guess to start we want to get a bit of context about you and what you think about masculinity. I want to know what does masculinity as a concept mean to you and do you think it's in crisis? I don't mind who starts, Derek, just because you're at that end of the line. Oh, sure, okay. Um... (laughs) Masculinity means to me, uh, it's a word that's very um, troubling to me, I guess. You know, when I hear it, um, I kind of recoil a little bit. And uh, my my views on masculinity are quite, you know, extreme. I know I'm on a panel, how do we reshape masculinity? But I think we should just get rid of it altogether. Because, um, you know, I think that masculinity is, is toxic by its very nature. So saying toxic masculinity doesn't make much sense. Just call it masculinity because toxic masculinity is doing what masculinity is supposed to do just maybe taking to a little bit more of an extreme i've never really been masculine in my life and i thank my dad for that you know because he provided a perfect example of what not to be so you know i used to watch him and the way he was because you know but i'm from ghana west africa and the fathers are very stoic you know you know i mean i've never physically touched my dad before in my life conversations probably like two minutes maximum that i've had 
and he feels like he's just being a father, you know, but me watching him and seeing and experiencing his behavior just made me not want to be like that. Masculinity, when I hear that word, I want to talk about the things that we actually don't think about typically when we talk about masculinity. So I don't necessarily want to hear strength. I don't necessarily want to hear all of the labels and the stereotypes we've given. And I want to talk about being able to help perhaps equip men with um, elements that aren't necessarily associated with masculinity. So I want to be able to open up the conversation and be able to enable conversations around feelings and that that be okay. And um, it would be really wonderful to see that evolve comfortably for men. Thank you. It affects everyone regardless of gender. And I think that the reality is there's so many people, so many guys especially, that don't really understand how they're feeling or how they should, in inverted commas, feel. So I sort of want to ask more of the question of what does it mean to be a good person as opposed to a good man or a good woman. And I think when we start dismissing those gender constructs around masculinity and femininity, I think that's where we really can do some productive change. Hmm. Boy. Uh, So I was like, oh my gosh, three people, I can think of an answer, but I haven't been able to think of an answer doing this series over the past year. It's really difficult. Obviously, I I work at The Guardian and at The Guardian, there's been like a huge debate about, you know, gender and gender roles and everything. And um, if I'm totally honest with you, I try and check out of the conversations because often I think that they're really inaccessible. Sometimes they're really academic. You need to have all of the language just right and if you don't then you know you can't be part of the conversation and I really think Mm -hmm. what I want to be able to do and what I was trying to do with the series was go and speak to people who were from all different kinds of backgrounds right that's what I'm trying to do Mm -hmm. so I didn't want to say this is what I think masculinity is because then I felt that that would put too much of a kind of limit on where the conversation would go because then someone else would say well that's not what I think it is and you start debating the word and what I wanted to debate was like people's experiences but we have all these conversations about women and femininity and everything and I kind of get that I understand what that is I can explain femininity because I have my personal experience right but what I'm trying to do is have the conversation and not impose my own view too much on that so I wouldn't want to define masculinity sorry (laughs) (laughs) but that comes it coming it's coming from like a place of me trying to um listen in the same way that i want um to be heard as well Mm. but i think that's brilliant that's Mm -hmm. exactly what we're here for to have a conversation that is you know accessible to as many different people as possible so yeah we're here for that so we've we've sort of said maybe we want to kick masculinity out the door and we we, maybe we want to blanket everyone with masculinity or or we, we don't necessarily think that's the right term to use do you think that in itself is an issue, and particularly for men and men's mental health, to, to understand where men fit in? You know what men are good at? Ignoring problems. Um, <laughs> and I think that the only way that we can unpick the issues that we have in society that face both men and women is by openly addressing issues. So in my personal experience, I've struggled with kind of eating for 10 years or so. Um, and failing to address that I had a problem only made the issue worse and worse and worse. And I think, you know, we are still encouraged as men and actually as as British people to keep calm, carry on, to to not acknowledge that there's an issue and thinking that it will just solve itself. So 
I think we have to be having these conversations for, uh, in order for, for things to, to make a change. Um, I think at the same time, though, people feel uncomfortable. And actually, you know, what you were saying, you don't necessarily feel comfortable about contributing to the conversation. That's what we have to try and break down because really everyone has to come to the table and discuss it because it's a scary thing to talk about for, for men and women. And once we recognize that, you know, having that conversation is the best step forward, I think that's how we can do some real, real good. Mm, yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And I think, yeah, one of the biggest problems men have is literally just, just speaking, asking for help, reaching out to you and those kind of things, you know. You know obviously, I've had my issues as well. And um, I thought I could beat it myself. I thought, okay, I can do it myself. I don't need pills, I don't need therapy, I don't need anything like that, you know. And it was not until, you know, because, you know, my girlfriend was always like, you need help, you need help, you need help. And I was like, no, I'm fine. It was not until... until um, I nearly died, and I woke up, and I was like, oh, maybe you got a point. Okay, maybe I should, um, <laughs> maybe I should, I should talk to somebody. Um, and since then, I found talking about what I'm going through, you know, in unfiltered terms, very, very helpful for me and helpful for other people. I think one thing men do very, very well is have conversations without actually saying anything. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's what that's what we need to break down. Once you realise that okay, hold on, what, what, what is the substance of this conversation? Then, you know, you, once you realise that, then you can start talking properly and really get through to the person. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is there a problem in that? Because you, you sort of say, and I, I've said this, uh, I said this to you in, in our podcast recording, it, it, sort of, it seems that we, we get to the point of it being a crisis before we realise that there's something wrong. Mm. Is there a problem in that we, we can't break through to people before that point? And if so, like, how, do we, how do we do that? Such a good question. And I think most people come into therapy in crisis. So it would be wonderful to be able to have these conversations where we're not needing to be at that breaking point. But, you know, just listening to you, it makes me, it just, it makes me feel bad that, that these are the messages that young boys are given. So that this, you know, often boys or men feel that, well, it's something I can't do. I don't have an easy time discussing things. I don't have an easy time talking. It's something wrong with me. Well, in fact, you know, that's, it's a societal, as you said, it's part of, it's a cultural piece. We have to acknowledge that. It's true. Um, North Americans are perhaps a little bit better, not much, but a little bit better with being more conversant perhaps sometimes. But the messaging, the societal messaging about boys, you know, man up and um, boys can't cry. I mean, you see it in playgrounds all the time, how how those messages get passed down even to young young kids. So it's not mm-hmm. something that, uh, it's not something to take on ourselves. We do that, but let's let's be curious and understand where that message comes from. It is something that's passed down. And if we can separate ourselves from that a little bit, then perhaps we can feel a little bit better that, okay, this is something that was taught to me. I see that, but I'm ready to break through that. I guess might be a, a good opportunity to see if there's any questions ready in the audience. Yay, first hand. <laughs> hey there. Um, yeah, my name is Robert. I'm from the Prince's Trust with my colleague here. Um, my father is also from Ghana as well. So I know what you're talking about to a degree. Well, I know what you're talking about. But I wondered if we could think of if there are any qualities, like positive qualities about masculinity, like we were talking about it before we got here. It's a really difficult question, isn't it? Because when we have these conversations, uh, we, we are uh, immediate to jump to the negatives. 
and I, I, I'd like to go back to maybe when I said that we should look at the positives of being a good person, because I, I, I appreciate the question, but for me, I, I don't really think we need to distinguish. We don't have to associate something good with a man versus a woman. So I think everyone should be compassionate, kind, in touch with their emotions, supportive. Um, I mean, if anyone disagrees with me, please, um, let's go. No, no, I mean, I would disagree <laughs> with that. <laughs> I would just add to that. Um, I think that's a really interesting point, right? So mm. in doing in doing this series, right, I think a lot of people thought, oh, The Guardian, they're going to come at this from a certain angle and it's going to be, like you say, um, kind of women versus men. And I was like, no, I just want to look at men in isolation, right? So therefore, it's just men. And And... People have come up to me. The series is called Modern Masculinity. I never use the word toxic masculinity in the whole series because I don't... It's such a charged word. Like I say, I want to go speak to loads of people who maybe just aren't around that kind of word. Um, I don't use the word patriarchy. I don't use the word feminism. Not that I have a, I have a problem with those, but I'm a journalist who works in, in like a pretty well-known newspaper. Generally, I, I can feel my way around words and use them pretty well. But um, watch me mess it up now um, but people come up to me all the time and they say oh I saw your series on toxic masculinity and I'm like yeah um that that's not I actually don't use that word ever and I interviewed every single man I interviewed in the series has got something so amazing to say they've gone through really difficult things they've kind of you know worked through you, you know personal issues or they've reached out to other people and been supportive and ju just as people they are I think just incredible people and I'm very very lucky to have been able to ask some questions and to bring them into the series and so I think that there is actually something really important in that you know if you're supposed to be having positive conversations with people that moved us to the future and you know are, are progressive well of course you can't be characterizing people as being toxic inherently for I don't know being traditionally <laughs> masculine in some ways right some guys I speak to they don't really want to talk about their emotions it doesn't come naturally they process things maybe through doing things or I don't know there's just different ways of getting through your issues and they felt really uncomfortable with some of the the things being said to them about talk about your feelings you should talk about this and they were like yeah I don't know if that works for you fine but for me it doesn't and I thought that's really interesting because are we having that conversation about you know being able to have different ways of of you know people coping with things are we saying you've got to behave like this in order for you to be a good man and I think one of the really important key things about say for example that Gillette advert that was very very controversial the one thing I took from that was I was like I don't think it's necessarily good to tell people how to be a good man and that you should behave like this because I don't really want someone to tell me how to be a good woman I want to find my way there a bit more naturally and be given the respect that I might be able to make the right decisions, if that makes sense. I feel like that sounds really controversial, but... No, not at all. But I think that. then it comes down to um, a conversation about responsibility as well and, and the personal responsibility that that requires and, and empowering people to make decisions and take responsibility and, and get there on their own in, yeah. to some degree. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I also just wanted to add, you know, in terms of like the positive attributes of um, masculinity. One of the things that we associate with masculinity, I wouldn't say it's completely bound up, but it's kind of like mental toughness, um, which is a great thing, especially, you know, coming from a sport background in terms of sport, um, being able to handle defeat, handle losing, come back, re like resilience, those kind of things. But also, 
making sure that you're not bound by mental toughness. You don't think that every single situation requires you to be mentally tough and get through it no matter what. Um, so, yeah, that, I think that's, that, that is, a, you know, one positive I think about. And I also agree with you in terms of, like, the, the words and the terms that we use and, you know, because, you know, whenever I go, go to ends... Um, my neighborhood. Whenever I go to my, <laughs> whenever I go to my neighborhood, um, um, I feel like the guys that I talk to, they need images of what masculinity is and these things. Is if you say to them, blah blah blah, the patriarchy, they'll hear you. But I don't think they're going to be at home with their girlfriend, do something, and think the patriarchy. I need to stop doing this. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, <laughs> it's they, I feel like they just need to see examples as well that relate to them, and then so they be like, wow, okay, that's what's really going on with this. Do you know what mm. I mean? So I guess something quite important is role models mm. uh, for young men and, and men. Is is there, do you think, actionable steps we can take? Is, is, is just having conversations like this enough to provide role models or is there something else that's like we need to do as society to show who are the right people to be looking up to? The role models for me growing up uh, were John Wayne, uh, which he was an absolute badass, um, and I wanted to be a soldier. And I, and I hadn't really recognised... We've spoken about this in the podcast, actually. Mm. Um, and I, I hadn't recognised until relatively recently how um, potentially dangerous it is for boys uh, to grow up um, aspiring to be bulletproof, really muscly, um, tall, with beards. And, uh, and I can't grow a beard. And, Me neither. And, and that's absolutely awful. Oh. But, um, but is it awful? Like, this is the question. Um, and, I, and I think one thing that has been a positive change is we are starting to see role models um, from a wider spectrum, so especially I, I am I'm a bit rubbish at keeping up with the whole Marvel thing. I don't know how many Avengers we've got now, but I watched one on the plane back from uh, from Japan, and the heroes aren't all massive, muscly people anymore. You know, they show like a vulnerability, mm-hmm. and I never saw vulnerability in role model males growing up for me. And I and I think it's kind of it's 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 a no brainer that that so many people of my age have grown up to feel confused about failure, about feeling sad. So I think, I think that we are changing gradually with that, but I think it's so important to tap into, to speci- especially boys at that impressionable age, you know, like four, five, six, like when they're at school, like we should, we should be introducing them to a, to a wider array of figures to, to look up to. We don't all have to be rugby players. I'm rubbish at rugby. And that's cool. Like, you do, you think, do you think those qualities were there in the people you were looking up to and you were just not looking at them and you were just focusing on the wrong ones? I mean, you tell me, mate, if someone can take three <laughs> bullets to the chest and then they're sound and then it's like, and they always get the girl and it's wonderful. It's like there was no like compassion or emotion unless it was to, you know, to, to woo a woman or to win a war against a tiger tank. And it's like, I didn't really, I wasn't taught like the core essentials of what it meant to be a good person, an open-minded man. From, from those films that were, were made back in the day. But I, but I wouldn't say that it's like that anymore as much. Mm-hmm. Holly, I can see you nodding your head. Is that something that, that you've, so that you've seen? Yeah. yeah, it's really true. So much so that now we see um, department stores having gender-neutral um, toy departments, that there, aren't, there isn't a, boy sec- a blue boy section and a pink girl section. And we really are trying to mix that up a little bit and trying to... Um, Show that uh, people, you know, that that these qualities have been attributed to certain to specific genders, but really they're qualities 
that's all that they are. And we all need to aspire to higher qualities of kindness and uh, vulnerability and uh, appreciating shame and knowing how to deal deal with all of that. So it's such an important thing to be able to mix it all up. There's no question that there have been certain roles assigned to specific genders, but it's definitely time to shake that up. And I, I think, like, I am, um, I like to have Twitter spats with Piers Morgan from time to time. <laughs> and he's, you know, one of these people that says, if you start blurring the pink and blue thing, then it's going to be the end of the society. The reality is, like, when you're a four-year-old boy, you dress up with whatever you want, and it doesn't affect that at all. And I think once we recognise that you can be open-minded from a young age without the society ending, then, um, then you know, we're probably moving to a better direction. Mm. We've got, we've got a few hands up in the audience. Yeah. Yeah. You want to come down here? Uh, hi, Taylor Rourke from Gallant Trainings. Um, so uh, as a bit of an elder, uh, I'd say one of the things that's positive is that we're having panels like this and that technology allows this to go out to a much lar- larger audience. We've got quite a mix of gender on a panel and in the audience. Uh, and, and one of the things, that, I guess it's a bit of a comment, but also maybe to, to start a question is, is to start looking at masculinity rather than just associated with men, where we start to look at it as toxic, as it's an energy, right? So, so we all have masculine, we all have feminine, that, that, we, that, we, that we look to integrate those um, so that there, are, there can be positive and negative masculinity, it's just there's going to be positive and negative femininity. And I, and I think by looking at things as, as an energy, what, what's, the, what's the emotion behind it? Does it come from fear or does it come from love? You know, the, the women uh, traditionally, uh, or more more recently, uh, coming from like a divorced uh, background, so women had to go to the workforce and sort of take on those sort of masculine qualities, and they've actually become a bit more comfortable with it. Men have been less comfortable with that vulnerability you spoke about because we don't have the role models. But I think that is starting to break down. The more we, you know, sort of encourage that we all have those, we all have those aspects that it opens up the dialogue. I think, yeah, it's it's that whole thing going back to, isn't it? We we need to just try and be good people as opposed to... And I, and I, I like what you're saying, and maybe there, is, there has been that merging of stereotypical gender constructs. So, you know, you would necessarily associate being emotional um, and vulnerability with, with women, perhaps, in the past, and then, and then strength and all that, all that rubbish of a man. And it seems that they have, they have blood. So, but I, I, yeah, I still think that we have to be edging towards a thing where we don't associate a certain thing with with gender whatsoever i also think that it's important that we um we look at like outward projections as well like the way we portray ourselves the way we dress and all of those kind of things and you know because like you said not everybody's a rugby player and when you're young you do look at those kind of masculine guys you know like my heroes were like ba baracus and the rock um, <laughs> um but then but then on the other side of that i loved rick james and prince do you know what i mean and um I preferred the way Rick James dressed to the way The Rock dressed. Although they're actually quite similar, actually, the way they both dressed. Do you know what I mean? Um, but I feel like, yeah, it's important to have those kind of images as well. And because a lot of the time, you know, the way you dress is an out- outward expression of how you feel inside mm. as well. So you may, you may feel masculine and all those kind of things. Like, you know, there's some uh, rappers, I think his name's like, what's his name? Young, Young Thug? And he kind of dresses, he wears dresses and stuff like that to be kind of edgy. But he's also projecting this huge amount of masculinity as if to say, I can wear a dress, but I'll still kill you. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) And I think, (laughs) and I think, I think, I think think that's a problem. But what I mean is like, yeah, the way, (laughs) 
the way people, you know, express themselves is, you know, the outward appearance as well. And I think that, yeah, we need kind of more role models who are not afraid to, you know, I mean, just slide outside of the, the, the gender norms of what people are supposed to dress like. When we think about um, role models, and I'm a, I'm a mother of three, two boys and a girl. And so these things come up all the time in terms of gender and gender stereotypes. And it's so important that I'm conscious of making sure that all three of them are doing the same kinds of things, right? Or, for example, chores or things like that that perhaps might have been attributed to you know, how are people in the home or in the kitchen or all of these things that perhaps an older generation, more my generation, would have ascribed to more typical women jobs and things. It's so important that um, my husband, who's great in the kitchen, shows that he's being that way and that everybody's responsible in terms of taking plates and putting them in the dishwasher and that it's not reserved specifically for you know, for the girl. And uh, I think that's really, it's embarrassing to say, but I think we have to acknowledge it, that these are things that happened in in our generation and still happening for sure. But if we can shake that up and we can say, you know what, this is for everybody has to clear the table. It's not just, it's not just reserved for, for mommy or for, you know, for our daughter. Everybody's got to get in there. And if those things are not even questioned, that's when we know we're arriving at a place where it's, it's this mm-hmm. is not... Uh, a job just for a certain gender, specific gender. And it's a lot of responsibility that parents have to be conscious and cognizant of, I think. So. I feel like I want to throw a curveball in. Okay. Like, I'm ready. Please do. So, obviously, I think it's really interesting the conversation about being masculine and being feminine. And like what, what you said about your dads, right? Totally relate. My dad's Algerian. Don't get me started, right? And I would look up at the aunties and, like, the women older than me, and I would be like, I don't want to live like you. I want to live like the uncles. I want that freedom. That was what I wanted. And it wasn't that I wanted the masculinity. I just wanted the freedom. But I wanted to be, like, I wanted to be feminine and be womanly. Is that because I'm a product of the society I've grown up in? I've been, like, conditioned and brainwashed by my culture. I don't know, but I don't really care. Like, I just want the freedom. And then all the other conversations, they always confuse me. And I guess one of the things I'd have to bring it back to is I could sit... (laughs) See, I wouldn't say this in the series, but... (laughs) I can, I can sit here um, and we can have this conversation about like kind of getting rid of the masculine and the feminine. But then I also think about like when I'm outside and, and just, you know, I could be anywhere doing the job I do. And that's what I love about it. Like I'm curious. I want to be outside with people that are nothing like me, right? I don't want to be just like reinforcing my bubble. But when, you, when, you're, when you're outside, you know, you look at who are the guys that are celebrated you know and who are the guys like Ovi right Ovi from Love Island if you don't watch Love Island (laughs) Ovi you know Ovi like had every like woman in her 20s going mental you know during the summer and that was a thing and it's like why is that a thing and is that a bad thing and should Ovi not be a thing and and then and where does that I mean the fact the fact I've even got to question that right but should Ovi not be a thing is that a bad should we should we not be pushing that right and 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 then that's where it gets I guess a bit interesting when you have to say okay so what do you find attractive and why do you find that attractive and should you be challenging that and I think it's just interesting when it starts getting a bit more difficult and you have to really start being like okay and I'm not saying one or the other I'm just saying we can say oh we've got both in us right but when it comes to the crux like what is it that gets celebrated what is it that 
you know, is successful. And um, is that a bad thing? Always. And I'm sure you have something to say on, on that as well. Oh, but, I do. Yeah, yeah go yeah. for it. <laughs> Just, you know, continuing the, the Love Island trend. We, got going in. With Ovi, I think that what people really loved about him was that he was almost like a juxtaposition of what the stereotypical black man was supposed to be like. So they were kind of like, oh, look, he's, he's a good one. Do you know what I mean? You, like, you know when you, you, know, you have a lot of white friends and like, oh, you're not like the other ones. That was Ovi on screen. And I feel like that's why a lot of people took to him. Do you know what I mean? And even some of the comments that you, you would have seen on Twitter as well, like, oh, Ovi's doing this, but most black men don't do that. Ovi's doing this, but like when he was literally ironing he was ironing clothes and it got like 5,000 retweets because he was ironing clothes. But do you, think, do you think that would have got 5,000 retweets if he wasn't a six foot seven basketball player and he was just like, like, that's the thing. Like, that, that was part of it. It was like, he's physically seen mm-hmm. to be masculine mm-hmm. and people love that. And then, you know, women were being like, oh, he's got all of those physical traits. He seems like a manly man. And then he's doing these other things. And do, do you see what I mean? Like, yeah. lots of guys iron. Not but, every guy ironing is Ovi. Yeah, but but they've got. <laughs> they, he's got he's got all of the um, he's got positive traits, but then you have to ask yourself, what are the negative tra- traits that you're talking about that he doesn't have? And guaranteed, when you list up those negative traits that he doesn't have, it sums up to the stereotypical black man. It's, on the similar vein, but maybe moving it away from Love Island in case people haven't seen Love Island. <laughs> What's the role of women, then, in shifting the ideas of what masculinity is and also shifting what maybe men feel like they're supposed to be externally? I think so much of the conversation around masculinity has become a thing because of all the conversation around feminism. So I think that that's kind of... The pendulum is really swinging, right, where... It's been Me Too and lots and lots of conversation around um, women stepping up and being much more visible and being more vocal. And how, um, how does that get to happen? That's all positive, okay? But how does that get to happen whilst not making men feel marginalized? And this is my big question right now. This is what I keep sort of coming back to because, again, with a 17-year-old son who's at a school right now where there's a lot of conversation around feminism and there's a lot of angry teachers who really, really want to get their point, female teachers who want to get their point across, which again is uh, is a great thing to be able to be able to have their voices and share that. And I'm I'm big proponent and definitely feminist. And when I talk about feminism, I talk about equality, but I don't want my 17-year-old son to feel marginalized by, by women beginning to feel more comfortable in themselves. I guess it's the same, yeah, it's the, the same in the other way around. If we're having these conversations around masculinity, mm-hmm. as a woman, I want to be able to, to play a part, not, not for my own self, but to make sure that my actions and, and my words are supporting um, a positive shift in, in our society and to ensure that all of these conversations are inclusive regardless yeah. of gender and generation and, yeah. and everything else. Yeah. yeah, that's true. I, I used to try and um, position the, the feminist argument with kind of like the Pan-African argument. So I used to be like a serious Pan-African, you know, and if someone said to me, oh, we need to kind of like try and get equality but also make, you know, the, uh, the, the white population feel comfortable 
I would just look at them like, what are you talking about? Absolutely not. They, they don't need to feel comfortable. We need to do what we're doing. So when um, feminists come up to me, you know, or when I'm talking to a feminist, or I see a feminist say something like, you know what, fuck men. Like, we don't care about them. They've oppressed us for, you know, how many, do you know what I mean? Because like, I always say, you know, race is something that has been used to oppress people. But being a woman inside the race that's being oppressed, there's women being oppressed. So there's more women oppressed than there are races being oppressed. So, yeah, if a woman says, you know, well, fuck all men, let's, you know, let's kill them all, you know, <laughs> all that kind of thing. I, I, I get where that energy is coming from just because I've been on the side, you know, when it comes to race. Do you know, do you, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a couple of hands, very, very eager hands at the back of the, uh, back of the room, up top there. As a masculine woman... And I've been told this countless times. Why should masculinity in general be seen as such a negative thing? Um, I'm told that it makes me hard to handle. I've been told that it's why I'm still single. It's, you know, so why, does, why do these aspects of masculinity have to be negative in either a male or a, a female? And then the other question I was going to say is how, because back to the role model point, as women, how are we strong role models for young men as well? I have a 15-year-old son. He thinks his mom's a badass, but he can talk to his badass mom about absolutely fucking anything. Oh, shit, sorry. Um, <laughs> I guess, is there, is there a, a danger of uh, vilifying an idea of any sort of masculine energy? If we, if, you know, if we say, like, we, everyone should be this and that and, and we should kick masculinity out the door, is there some merit in encouraging certain masculine energies? And if so, what are those energies? What do you think that is? I just find it interesting, though, because it's like, it kind of brings us back to the question about masculine, masculine, like, I don't know, like, I just feel that if we're going to talk, yeah, you sound like a badass, you look like a badass, you speak like a badass, and like, you, yeah, you seem yeah, like, yeah, yeah, all right, cool, you're badass. So, but like, the point is, like, is it, like, if people have told you, you said people have told you that you're masculine, I'm like, yeah, I mean, those people, like, I don't know, I feel like they're a bit lost, they should just be telling you you're a badass, right? Because it yeah. gets confusing, because I'm like, like... I feel that I'm quite feminine, but I am incredibly feisty. And if it came to it, like, I've stopped guys in a station. I've stopped, like, nine kids from stabbing another kid in a station, you know, like, and I've just stood in between. And I call it auntie mode. Like, I jumped, I just, I saw it happen and I just jumped in and I was, like, shouting. And I was like, hey, what are you doing? Do you know what I mean? Like, and I jumped in. I didn't think it was masculine or feminine or or anything. It was just, like, quite a, probably a stupid thing to do. But, like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, but it was also something of just feeling like I should right and and the issue that I have sometimes with the masculine and the feminine all of these words where it's like does we're never gonna really find out what it means is like okay men like men have a higher suicide rate than women right and that is a real thing like men are more likely to be in prison and that is a real thing you know like there are real things like you know paternity leave for men is ridiculous like legally there are things like for fathers where you're like you know and and some people go off on a mad one but like you know i see i see people who really just want to be with their kids and they want to be able to take that time off and there are all these kinds of rules which make it really difficult and they're you know trying to support their partner and be like you know a good husband or a good good dad right and and those are things which i feel like we don't talk about enough right and 
so one of the things I have about masculinity is it it's it's good that we talk about feelings it's good that we talk about that stuff but it's when it gets rooted in realness right in terms of like how does this affect people's actual lives how is this affecting young boys when you go into a school in South London you go speak to kids and you say like you know to the girls what worries you and like trust me they're different things to what worry the boys in the same schools like there are different things and that that's where I think it's really important to kind of focus. And so that's no disrespect because I think you're a badass and I completely... Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not... It's just a conversation sometimes worries me a little bit because I think, like, but are we are we now ignoring those kids, that those young boys or those dads or whatever because we are always framing the conversation in terms of energy? It's not to say we shouldn't have that conversation. But you know when you were talking at the beginning about not going into, like... Um, the same areas that might have been trodden. If I'm totally honest, that's one of the things that really worries me because I don't see solutions coming to those really real actual problems. We've got lots of hands up again. Let's if we come to the front. Hi, so I'm Alicia, I'm the retail assistant. How can we, as like retail assistant and stuff like that, open up conversation without sounding too aggressive? Because not every space is a debating space and sometimes I hear like, oh baby, you can have this because this is for a girl or you, you can wear this because this is for a girl. How can we as like outsiders hear this and try to make a change by saying you can't say this without feeling like we're attacking the person, we just want to try to... Because these are these little moments that you're going to go home to and think, oh, maybe that was not right and then you're going to start an actual conversation. It's brilliant that you want to try and change that in your job to it. But, but the, the truth is it has to come from uh, the larger community. It has to come from the companies with the advertisement and, um, and how they market certain products. And, and going back to what we were saying before, you know, like how men and women are portrayed in the media and film. Um, so I don't think that you can take on the responsibility yourself as a, as a retail assistant, but I know you... I actually know you and, uh, and you're lovely, uh, so, uh, so don't feel hard on yourself. But it has to happen from hopefully having larger conversations like this in bigger rooms across the planet, and that's how we'll start to unpick those gender constructs that, that bind people still in this day and age to think, oh, I, I can't, my son can't go to ballet because, you know, because he's a boy, and, and vice versa, football for girls. It's just, I mean, it's just so outdated, and I think we're slowly adjusting and adapting, but, um, but it, it has to come from from the companies that are doing the marketing, I think. But I do think that there's an, an individual approach that we can all take as well. And, and actually nobody, we all have communities to some scale and, and size around us. And, um, and actually those, a lot of these conversations start from, you know, even if you, you're noticing something, that's sparking the conversation and how we can move forward in individual circumstances can also contribute to even if the it feels like a smaller scale having that conversation on a small scale can still make an impact even if it's just to one person rather than to you know changing things at the root of the it's not you know it's not going to change the legislation and it's not going to change the um the deeply rooted issues but it might make a personal difference for sure yeah or even even just taking that topic and just going to your manager perhaps and just saying these are conversations I'm hearing a lot is there something we can do with this you know could you maybe post something in the changing rooms or just like a little something that's on there that gives a nice positive message about a suggestion perhaps as to how we might talk to our you know our kids as we're 
letting them try on different clothes or just little things. I, I do think that, that you can spur that conversation or talking with other sales assistants, talking at lunch, you know, bringing it up. Because I'm sure if you're feeling it and hearing it, everybody else is doing yeah. so also might not be as brave to bring it up, but, but, uh, mm-hmm. but it would be great. There's another question just right next to Yeah. Hi guys. Um, I guess I wanted to ask to what extent do you think in this, because this conversations obviously can get really complicated and really complex to what extent you've touched on this a little bit, a couple of you, do you think cultures and different cultures play into this conversation? I think it varies uh, massively depending on the culture, where you're from. And I think it's, um, you know, when we usually talk about masculinity, we have these kind of discussions. We're very, very focused on the Western world. You know, but if you go to, like I was saying, certain parts of, you know, Africa as well and, and, and Asia as well, the man- masculinity manifests in, in different ways and more, 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 more dangerous ways. You know, for example, places where um, HIV and, and, and AIDS is very prevalent, one of the biggest factors in um, transferring the you know, the, the virus is the fact that the men refuse to wear condoms because they feel like it's, it's emasculating for his wife to ask him to use a condom, even though he's out cheating and doing all of these, uh, these different things. So masculinity, you know, it um, manifests that way. Over here, it's, 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 it's quite different, you know. It's, it's very different. You know, and I kind of do sometimes feel like the conversation around masculinity shouldn't just focus on the West. I feel like the Western world is getting to a place, a better place. It doesn't mean it's good, but a better place. Where, you know, there's places outside of the Western world that are that need a lot more discussions, you know, on, on, on masculinity. To follow on from that, when I first started working as a journalist, the main things that I would write about were, well, terrorism. I did loads um, in Paris and in Belgium, like even in the UK, and often that was going into communities which were not, you know, they, they were community, like Libyan communities, Algerian communities, I'm Algerian, and... Then I was doing things about drill music and knife crime and all these other things. And I was finding myself in a lot of spaces being like, okay, cool, I'm having this conversation about minority groups. And there was definitely a thing of like, you can't use the same language. You can't talk about things in the same way because there's layers to it. There are layers to the identity. There are layers to what it means. There are so many different things which are at play there. But then at the same time, when I was looking at what was going on in America with like the white supremacists who had like basically were like doing mass shootings and stuff, I was like, it's really interesting that the suicide bombers and then knife crime and then you know the mass shootings like these are all men like they're across the board no matter what. And so I was like, actually, do you know what? There's some there's some things in here when it comes to like the violence and the way we talk about it. And so I think it's really important to like have the conversation that acknowledges the differences and acknowledges like, where people are coming at. Because sometimes it gets pushed on a level of identity in too much of a way, right? Where it's like, these people are Muslims, that's why they do this. Or these people are black and that's why they do this. Or, you know, young black guys, young Arab guys, whatever. But then I was just like, you know what? I feel like a, there's, this has happened across the board with guys. So that's why I think... To answer the early question of there being a crisis, I was like, I would say there's a crisis because you've got a lot of men who are at a point where it's like, this isn't normal, right? So that's what one of the things that triggered me into wanting to have a look at the area of masculinity in the first place. And that's probably why I am not so much looking at it on an energy level because 
when you've been somewhere where there's been a terrorist attack and you see what happens there and you, you speak to communities and you speak to people and you're like, and this is every time, nearly every time this is being done by men. What's going on there? Like, why is that happening across the board and around the world? And I don't think calling it toxic masculinity is really going to help us find the solution. And all I want to do is find a solution to the point where these things don't happen anymore because it's horrific. It's so awful. Yeah, like basically what I'm saying is I think it's really important. But then at the same time, there's something deeper going on here that is a universal thing. But do you think, if we're talking about different cultures and different communities, the conversation needs to come from within the community? No one can speak for another no, community. No, like, so and I think when to... you start doing stuff like that, you, you get people pushed back a lot. Mm. If you go into a community and you start thinking that you know better than them and you start telling them, well, this is actually... And actually, many people are having those conversations. Do you know what I mean? Like, I come from a community. I grew up in a certain community. I went to Islamic school on a Saturday. Do you know what I mean? Like, I know my community. Like, I know how people talk there and I'm having these conversations. I'm very privileged to do that. But, you know, you've got people like Derek. There's other people who, within communities, are like, I am... I've got the tools to have these conversations. Sometimes I need help to be enabled to go a bit further. Do you know what I mean? That's why, for example, it's really good. I love to see the fact that you've got, you know, your book's getting published. You did a book like Safe, you know. Safe is like black men's experiences and you've got like amazing guys to to do that and that's the kind of thing which I think is really really important because you were the person that was like I can identify what needs to be like targeted here so you do that but you need people to like commission the book and mm-hmm. like you know like commission the work mm-hmm. and all yeah. that stuff um but just following on from what you said I mean you're a lot more optimistic than I am to be honest with you when it comes to kind of talking about masculinity to to our cultures because i for one think that you know my dad's generation it it is there's no point it, you're gonna lose they're not gonna they're not going to change the way they are by listening to their sons they're, it's not gonna happen um so i feel like it's it's down to us so we're only half fucked they're fucked completely <laughs> like do you know what i mean so i feel like with the next generation we can make sure that they're they, you know, they know, not you know, they're, they're like woke or whatever. You know, they know what's going on. They know how to behave. They know how to treat people, how to think about things. You know what I mean? And yeah, so that's, that's why I always, I always focus on, you know, the, the next generation. I mean, it's, it's difficult to convince someone who's believed something for 21 years in 21 seconds. Do you know what I mean? Um, it's a so solid reference right there. Um, <laughs> So do you know what I mean? It's gonna it's gonna take a while, yeah. Cool. We've we've got again we've got loads of hands. Should we go right to the back? I mean this kind of follows on from what Derek was talking about. Like uh I guess when you say woke a more call out society in terms of um people responding. I was just interested in going back to the role models because I mean James's role model like comes goes back from the thirties. Your role models go back to the nineties. My personally I came from an artistic background, my parents were both in the arts. I don't really see sort of role models out there in our in our existing times that are embraced for their and I want to call it negative segment of masculinity because it isn't all negative, I do believe. We were talking about strength and I I generally don't think strength is a negative word, but when it comes under the umbrella of masculinity, then it's it's basically swung to this idea of like a negative connotation. Are we in are we in danger of making men feel that we can't be strong at all because it might be seen as negative. At Middleton wrote, um, like, at Middleton, it, he was on, like, the SAS survival show on Channel 4, and he did a book, uh, I think it was called First Man In, 
Well, he talks about being on like the special boat service and he talks about like being in, I think it was the Marines and stuff like that. He's super macho, like super macho. Like I read the book, like that was, I don't know anyone at The Guardian like Anne Middleton. And like, he's like so interesting for me as a character, but he's like Channel 4 show, best-selling book. He's just done a new book. Like he's, you know, he's got a massive bid. And like, there's like, do you know what? There's like quite a lot of people who I think are like that, you know, like, and I think it kind of depends what what you're consuming. I think a lot of people, there are lots of, of men who are, Traditionally masculine. I won't say I won't say negative, right? Because if you don't think it's negative, I don't think you should use the word negative, right? Um, because then that's where I think it gets confusing. But I think there are plenty of guys who are celebrated, but it just depends what space you're in, and that's where the problem comes in about um, having like the the it's like the vacuum that people live in and having your ideas reinforced, like because. In different places, different things are happening. You've got Dave Chappelle on one side, he's getting 99% on, on like, you know, what was it, Rotten Tomatoes? Like, some people are out there celebrating him. So there are pockets. I don't think as a society, broadly, you know, there's one single thing that's happening when it comes to masculinity. I mean, Pierce Morgan is, you know, people talk, we can't have a conversation without Pierce Morgan's name being in it. Do you know what I mean? Like, Pierce Morgan is, he's like, you know, hosting a, a show on TV in the morning every single day and whatever he says becomes a narrative that we then follow and he is I can say negative masculinity I will say that about Pierce Morgan I never say that but like do you know what I mean so I actually I'm not really sure if everyone is being cancelled yeah. by everybody I know you I, just to follow on with what you're saying and talking about the vacuum where you kind of your opinions are just reinforced I think there's a danger if we believe that I guess like council culture and calling out culture is prevalent because there's kind of like um what do they call them those pickup artists and they have this underground thing going on and there is loads of them do you know what I mean I, I think they call them incels as well something like that um and nobody's calling them out do you know what I mean they're they're reinforcing each other no one's calling them out well I mean people people have tried you know people have tried to um call them. I know Reggie Yates did a documentary about them as well um but but yeah, in terms of um, role models as well, I feel like um, I can't remember his name. What's his name? Big, really muscly guy. No. Huge, huh? Anyone know? <laughs> Terry Crews. Terry Crews. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Terry Crews. I feel like he's definitely kind of showing another way to be a manual because he's like he's huge. You know what I mean? He's what you would typically, you know, associate with masculinity. And um, him coming out and saying, you know, I was sexually assaulted. There were people who said to him, I'll just man up, man up. But he was just like, no, you know, this is wrong. I felt like, you know, I was violated. This is what I'm going to do. I feel like, yeah, so younger people seeing that, I think that's that's very good. Because one thing I will say, I do believe, um, I can only speak on my community, I do believe in the, um, you know, the black community when it comes to young black boys being um, sexually harassed, assaulted by older women, no one talks about it. Um, even sexually harassed by, you know, older men, uncles, aunties, and all that kind of thing, no one talks about it. But I think Terry Crews is doing that. He's, he's becoming a role model for people to actually open up about this kind of stuff. I wonder if I could just pick up on that point about strength, though, too. This this idea that, and I, and I know I said that in the beginning as well, that I think we use, back to language, right? We use certain words to uh, illustrate what we have been taught, perhaps. But something about the language that we pick up on and what we attribute to, 
you know, what is strength? Strength might mean something very different to you than it does to me. When I, you know, if I get uh, emotional about something or teary about something, you know, someone might say, oh, you're so soft. But actually the fact that I'm able to express that might also be perceived as a strength. So I think that's really important and, and probably more contentious when it comes to gender issues, right? And who's allowed to show feelings and who's allowed to be vulnerable and how do we show that and what does that say about about us? That's something that, you know, talking about the generations, it's a responsibility to try to teach the new, the younger generations that it's okay to do that. It's okay to feel a certain way and not only feel it, but it's okay to express it. Mm. Can we go straight to the back? Because I didn't mean we to cut you off before. Right. Oh, yeah. Hey, Marie, thank you. Hi, I'm Zoe and I'm from the Mix charity. Thanks for supporting everybody. What I would encourage people to do and think of myself is kind of get to grips with our own identity, whether that's race, culture, age, sexuality, and all of those things that combine to make us our own person. And only then, I think, and I, I you know, wonder if everyone agrees, do we have a say then in about our different levels of masculinity or femininity within ourselves and within other people? Yeah, I think we have to be encouraged to figure out who we are for ourselves as opposed to be dictated to by external factors. So growing up in Dorset, I was encouraged to play football and rugby instead of ride my BMX and sing songs about girls. And, and that led to a, a time in my life where I felt consistently dissatisfied and unfulfilled. Um, and the reality was I didn't have an identity. I was, um, I was the goalkeeper on a football team. That's my identity. Or that kid with flesh holes and a pierced nose and long hair. It wasn't like I didn't feel like myself. And it's actually only been really since the past six months of working with, with, with Tom's and, and, and doing stuff like this that I've, I've recognized that you are the only person that can determine your own identity. Um, and and I think that for me that become that becomes of paramount of importance. Instead of people telling you, we, we love telling other people how they should be or, or how to feel. And it's about maybe before uh, you know going back to that impressionable age about encouraging people to to recognise how they feel and what they genuinely enjoy doing before giving sort of like misguided information saying, all right, you're a boy, you should play football. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think yeah, identity is something that has to happen. Um, from within but also be encouraged to to find your own identity without being pressured to go in another direction so my, my, my opinion differs slightly i don't think that we can separate the two i believe that you know when you're born you're you're brought up you're socialized in a, in a certain way and when you are trying to find your own identity you look through the lens of everything that's been forced upon you so i don't think you can get to the age of like 15 and say i'm that's it i'm not masculine i'm not feminine you know, like Descartes, let's throw all the apples out of the basket and start start over. I don't believe you can do that. I think that your socialization is a very powerful thing. And I think I don't think we should ever downplay it. And, you know, we talk about unlearning and unlearning this, this, that and the other, as if to say it's going to be an easy process. Like you have a, a discussion on Twitter and suddenly you're, you know, you're not a misogynist anymore. It just doesn't work like that. Um, <laughs> so I think, yeah, I don't, I don't think you can detangle the two. You know, I think you can... You grow older and then you learn to see them separately, but they are who you are and you're always going to be looking through the lenses of whatever has been, whatever you've been indoctrinated with. And I think the worst part about it is that it keeps changing. 
that like as you get older and or as you go through different experiences, all of a sudden there's this shift in identity and you're like, wait, I didn't think that that's who I was. Wait, I'm liking that now? I always said I hated that. So that's the challenge, I think. And that happens both physically, how our, how our physical bodies change. Wait, who am I now that I am um, an adolescent, now that I'm a pregnant woman, now that I'm a mother? All of that is physically changing and that makes us question who we are. And in addition to um, just the aging process and our different experiences. So as soon as we think we have it figured out, there, there it goes. It shifts again, our identities. Hmm. We're going to do one more question from the audience. So for women, we've had like, quite a lot of movements and the publicity has really helped like, accelerate the change. And for men and male issues, we ha- there isn't that. There isn't that like, attention or the publicity. that There's no Me Too equivalent. Do you think that's coming? Do you think we need it? I, I kind of think... Um, I mean, women's issues are men's issues. There wouldn't be women's issues if there were no men around. So... I think that things like Me Too are bringing these abuses to the light and then also showing men again, like, you know, your time's up, you can't keep doing this. So, yeah, but I, I definitely, like I was saying, I would love to see a lot of men come forward and have conversations about how they were, you know, kind of like what Juno Diaz did. But again, he kind of did that for his own, um, to kind of save his own, save his own ass, I guess. Um, I think whilst it's important for celebrities and, and, and stuff to, to try and make a statement, I think the, the core uh, things that I feel are most important is education and communication. So education from, from that young age in schools, teaching people, you know, rape is definitely wrong. Um, and that's a global thing. You know, we're quite lucky in the majority of of the UK that we have um, a big support network for, for people but there's still so many areas around the world where you know like I, I've done a lot of work in India with the band and the, this, the statistics is sh- like staggering um, with the amount of like unsolved rape things that never even go to, to court or to trial so education is one thing secondly communication the fact that we're talking about this it doesn't matter if you've got a million followers on Instagram or if you just sat with your friends in the pub or whatever it's like if we're talking about this we're vocalising issues that we feel in in society and community and acknowledging what is right and wrong i think i think that's the way forward communication is the key for absolutely everything regardless of you know sexism racism gender equality talking is what what carries us to the next level we've done it for thousands of years um you know as long as we've been walking we've been talking and we we figured out so many great things and it's i find it deeply upsetting that we're at this point in society where we've, we've cured so many diseases and done so many... Bre- we landed a bloody person on the moon, but we still can't speak about how we feel as men when we're you know, upset half the time. So I think communication is what's going to take us to the next level. I think that's a really interesting point. I don't know if you can have a Me Too for men because it was like, that was a weird moment. And like there was a Harvey Weinstein who is like... To be honest with you, like, would, would Me Too have happened if it wasn't Hollywood and it wasn't such a kind of sexy story and you've watched all mm. the films? I mean, I, at the weekend, on Sunday night, I watched um, uh, Silver Lining play... The Silver Lining Silver play... Lining that one, yeah? So I watched that, and at the end of it, Harvey Weinstein's name come up, comes up, and I was like, oh, wow, that's mad. Like, he's literally across everything. Mm. And, like, you know, a lot of the thing with the Me Too movement, um, you know, it was, like, very necessary, but 
would it happen if it wasn't so so sexy and being like oh wow that really kind of hot starlet you know this happened to her and yeah it's a kind of entertainment factor because you know at the end of the day there are people working in like hospitality there are people working in catering and cleaning in like hospitals you know nurses and stuff like all kinds of other abuses happen and has me too really affected those people like how much has that really impacted on their lives so i think the me too thing's interesting it was necessary you know that was a moment but I don't know how far that's really changing normal people's lives. Um, and also, you know what? I interviewed someone from Love Island. I won't say their name. But I did ask them about Me Too. And they were like, what? And I was like, I'm sorry, what? They didn't know what Me Too was. And I was so surprised. And I explained it. And he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I've heard of that. And I was like... Was it Ovi? Yeah, better not be no Ovi. It wasn't. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It wasn't Ovi, of course. Ovi knows everything. Um, no, 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 it wasn't Ovi. But it was someone else. And I was like, hold on a second. I work in a newspaper where we talk about this every day. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I constantly am trying to, like, to, to challenge myself and be like, these conversations are not happening everywhere. Not everybody is having this chat every single day. Do you know what I mean? And I, I just thought it was really interesting. So... But, but I do think that there is something that needs to happen for men. New York Times did an article last week. It said something like 100,000 men had been sexually abused in the US military, I think, in like the past 30 years or something. Like the, I'm pretty sure those are the numbers, but I've turned my phone on flight mode, so I can't check it. But, um, but, but that, I saw that, and I was just like, oh, my God. And we did a call-out at The Guardian. We were like you know, asking readers what they wanted us to cover. And there were so many guys that kind of mentioned that as a thing. And you, that's part of the reason why I feel quite passionate about this, because I'm like, oh, my God, I haven't realised just how much was going on. And so I do think there's enough, there is enough going on, right, that something could happen. And it made me go, you just don't know what people have gone through. And I think the point is to, be, to have compassionate conversations with people, you know, where you're not constantly trying to make it black and white and good and bad and like woke and cancelled and like whatever it is, you know what I mean? It, it's trying to create spaces where people can make mistakes, you know, like make confessions, you know, own up to themselves and who they are and everything. And then I think there would be a space for men to have like a similar thing on their side mm. and i think us as as individuals you know in this room and beyond like have taking responsibility for opening ourselves up to those debates and discussions and and whether that's with the people that we're close to or um looking further afield but rather than putting ourselves in echo chambers where we're just going around and trying to make it black and white actually really challenging and questioning the things that we think or believe in the first instance and unpick it and let it get um you know go into the depths of it in order to really understand what's going on because until we do that until we really challenge our own thought systems belief systems around it how do we really expect to be able to to move forwards james kind of touched on this a moment ago but we're gonna we're gonna finish with a final question how do we shape the future of masculinity just gonna throw that ass like that. <laughs> um, you did. You did get a hint <laughs> with it being the uh, um, name of the night. Conversation, talking. Yeah. Excellent. If you say education, I'm absolutely screwed. Now. <laughs> education <laughs> <laughs> and talking. Oh, for God's sake! <laughs> Ask questions. A lot of us are set in our ways and think that that's just how it is. And I think with those two things applied. 
be try and be brave enough to actually ask is that okay um why is that not okay and we're hopefully with those things and i'm sure the next point's going to be brilliant then we're getting there following straight on ask questions and then listen <laughs> to the answers yeah absolutely and also i think what you were saying in terms of having the space to have these conversations really challenging when the majority of time is being spent online where you're not able to have as nuanced conversations as these right because they require time they require us to actually think and um, listen to each other in the moment in vivo. And sometimes it's really hard to have that online. So it's great that you're doing this. Yeah. Oh, great. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, that was thank amazing. You, um, thank, thank you all for you. coming. We have a big round of applause for our panel. That was great. for listening we hope you enjoyed the conversation if you want to join us for one of our future live panel discussions you can check out our website canwejustask.co where you can subscribe to the newsletter and get all of the updates of what's to come next if you enjoyed the episode please leave us a rating and a review on whatever platform you're listening to us on and we will see you next time